the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi there. Welcome. This is Way of Grace as we continue our series called Arise, Move, and Go. Going to be in Numbers 13 today is our teacher and pastor, Jessica Stand, remind us of the journey the people of God took from Egypt to the Promised Land. It should have taken 40 days at most. Instead, it took the people 40 years. The delay was brought on by their unbelief. As we continue this message, ask yourself, do I truly trust God in my life? Well, to get us started, from Grace Bible Church in Hayward, here's Pastor Jessica Stand in Numbers 13. The book of Numbers, chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13. The title of our message today is Arise, Move, and Go. That is our fundamental overarching theme. It is God's imperative to his people as we are reminded consistently that we are just a passing through. And when you fail to realize that, you can be trapped by some of the pockets of life that are designed to keep you paralyzed and not moving forward. We are, as the Hebrew people are, uh, on a journey. And that's what I've told you over and over again. And frequently the believer will fail uh, to, to realize that. We are on a journey and uh, our next stop is heaven. And our ultimate eternal destiny is this earth. A new heavens and a new earth God will make. So I'm going to help you with some of your theology because folks think that heaven is your home. Heaven is your hotel. Yes, heaven is your hotel. John said in Revelation chapter 21, and I saw a new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwelt. And I saw the holy Jerusalem coming down out of heaven to the earth. The Bible tells us this universe will be renewed and this earth will be renewed for permanent dwelling for the people of God. So get used to it, children of God. We might as well get our theology right while we're in church. Church is the most dangerous place in the world. You generally pick up, maintain and preserve error in this place. But we try to avoid it. And one of them is, is that heaven is not your home. It's your hotel. It's a new heavens and a new earth wherein King Jesus will dwell. And that is all typified by the pattern of the Old Testament. It's perfected in the person of Christ and it becomes a permanent reality when Christ comes again. Did that make sense to you? It's patterned in the Old Testament. It's perfected in the person of Christ and it will take on permanent, eternal, cosmic transformation when he comes again on the last day. 
So as we think about something that is before us right now, and I'll, I'm looking out in the audience, and I see quite a few of you new people here. If you're not um, used to reading your Bibles, our narrative is going to be uh, strange to you, although I'm fairly confident that the storyline that we're dealing with right now is, is fairly common. We, we know about this event where the children of Israel now are being allowed to actually go over into the promised land, break the border of the wilderness in Sinai, uh, the Sinai Peninsula, and go into the southern border, uh, borders of Palestine or Israel and make their way up to Hebron. We'll see that in a moment. And they'll get an opportunity to spy out the land. They're going to be observing the land that God promised them. And the question that you and I want to take away from our study today is really what are the lessons that we should take away from God's word in this context for us? Because what good is it if you and I have a reading of an historical event and it doesn't have application to our life? Well, the subtitle is going to help you with that. So today in our overarching title, Arise, Move and Go, the subtitle is, what do you see? And I am picking up from where we were last week. Obviously, our narrative is flowing historically from one journey to another. We are in the 14th encampment. This would be Numbers 33 around verse 16. We're in the 14th encampment. And you guys have been walking with me now, according to our outline, through 28 or 29 messages. And we're on the 14th encampment. And I know I'm going to challenge you with a little bit of a government map. You can do the numbers. 14 encampments. Right. Twenty nine messages. That means we have devoted almost two messages per encampment. Would that be right? And we could have devoted 10 per encampment because the word of God is infinite in its significance. It's infinite in its depth. But we can only do so much in about an hour and 15 minutes. Correct. So here's what I will say about today as well. Um, we're going to have to look at the text in front of us, chapter 13 and 14, a couple of times. The account before us of the Hebrews entering into the uh, land of Canaan is really a couple of conversations. The first I'm having with you today. Now, the subject matter I want to deal with has as its proposition, first of all, which is a failure to understand faith and its promises, a failure to understand faith and its promises. And I want you to think this through. This is what our text is going to teach us about today. There is a kind of faith that people have that is dislodged or disconnected from the promises of God. There are all kinds of faith expressions in the world. People talk about believing God and believing this and believing that. But the proposition I want to lay down and build a kind of foundation for our message for you and I today is this. If your faith is not rooted in, cultivated by and grounded in the promises of God, your faith is not a biblical faith. If your faith is not rooted in the word of God, meaning having its source in the word of God, having its grounding in the word of God and having its telos or its goal in the word of God, your faith is in vain. I'm going to say it one more kind of way to help you. An unbiblical faith is no faith at all. 
to say I have faith in God, but that faith is not rooted in the preceptive promises of God makes your faith a kind of balloon unhinged from anything kind of just floating out there in the ether. Does that make some sense? In other words, you cannot disassociate biblical faith from the promises that grant that faith significant. When men and women say, I believe, you're believing in something. When the believer says, I believe, we're believing in something. Not only that, we're believing in someone. When the Bible tells us to have faith, it says, have faith in who? God. Now, to have faith in God means to have faith in God's word. Because God's talking to you. God's telling us something. He's teaching us something. God's giving us promises. And what our text is going to teach us is the danger of a faith that is not cultivated by the promises of God. The danger of a faith that does not have its continued nurturing and maturation in the promises of God. I've shared this with you before. Faith is always that space between the promise made and the promise realized. Faith is always the space between God saying it and God bringing it to pass. And where you and I don't have a faith that sits between the promise given and the promise realized, here's the danger. This is what our text is going to teach us. When the promise emerges and manifests itself just like God said it would, God is not a man that he should lie nor the son of man that he should repent. If he declared it, he'll make it good. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. But if my faith is not rooted in the promises of God, watch this, when the promise emerges, my faith is nowhere to be found. That's what our text is about to teach us. Y'all keeping up with me? It is therefore imperative to make sure you know what kind of faith you have. Because the devils have a faith. They believe God and, and tremble. They have more of a, 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 a healthy uh, acknowledgement of the reality of God than often we do. And of course, you know your Bible's clear. Whenever the, the devil talks, he's going to quote scripture. And Christians aren't even armed to do that often. So here's what I'm saying to you and I are about to see the division of two groups of people, are we not? We're going to find one group of people who woefully missed the promise. Then we're going to find another group of people who met the promises exactly as God had said them to be. And that really is what I want to exercise our senses on today. How can the same group of people see the same thing, experience the same thing, and have two diametrically opposed outcomes about it. It has to be at the level of their faith because the reality of what God has said has emerged, has it not? God had always told Israel, I'm taking you to a land flowing with milk and honey with all sorts of vegetation and fruit and trees and cultivated lands and streams of water. It is called the land of milk and honey. Did God say that? Are they there now? And yet there is a major constituency that does not see what God said. See what I'm getting at? All right. The lessons are important for us today. So we are dealing with point number one. The first thing that I want to call your attention to is how God says, go and what? Go and see. That's our first point. Very simple. Going to lay out some principles. 
I do need you to pull up our old uh, map. I have three maps around the wilderness sojourn of uh, the children of Israel. And I want the red, white, and blue map. I'm feeling American today. I want the red, white, and blue map. It's, it's actually white, red, and blue. That one, I wanted to come up for a moment because I want to talk about um, what God's imperative was to the children of Israel. Is one of the dangers that you and I have today in America, where everything is so available to us at the level of technology and convenience, is often our faith does not get to be exercised cognitively and rigorously on a daily basis. We live out of a kind of autonomic sort of um, subconscious level. And, and at that level, your faith is not challenged. Does that make some sense? Unless you and I are intentional daily of waking up to walk by faith and therefore understanding that the cycle of that day is requiring you to walk with God. These are the hymns we sung earlier when we sang about our great Savior, my Savior's love, his faithfulness to me. You and I should be able to express that at the end of every day, how God kept us when he woke us up that morning, how he got us to our assignment, how he helped us to stay in our lane, how he helped us to be a blessing to somebody and be a witness to somebody and how he got us home again that night only to do it again the next day. That's called walking by faith day by day by day. And when you're walking like that, guess what? The bigger promises that God has for you often a year down the line or two years down the line, when they come to pass, you're ready for them because your faith was rooted and grounded and it was incrementally moving towards the reality of that promise. Does that make some sense, children of God? And this is why you and I have to make sure that we are walking by faith. There you guys see Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. Good. This is where the children of Israel has been since Exodus 19. I told you this. In Exodus 19, we are in the third month of the children of Israel coming out of the wilderness. And you and I also know that time is a factor in our walk with God. Sometimes when God is taking his time, it tests us, doesn't it? It really does try us. But we made our way all the way out of uh, Memphis, of north of Egypt, all the way down south to the peninsula of Sinai in 90 days. There, God did a number of things, and I want to remind you of them before we talk about going into the land, because you won't appreciate it. You and I wouldn't be able to appreciate someone entering into their promise unless you somewhat know what kind of journey it took for them to get there. We already know it took a year to extricate Israel out of Egypt by a civil war from heaven to earth. Finally, when they came out, they had to walk with God all the way down to the peninsula for three months. They had a hard time walking with a new king, did they not? But when you get down to Mount Sinai, I want you to think about boot camp. Because you're going to be parked there for almost two years. You're parked there, okay? And I shared this with you before, but I know we, we, we got a sharp memory. I parked you there as God parked Israel down at the bottom of the Mount Sinai uh, Peninsula. And, and for me, I, I really just want to say this, if, if it makes any sense. What God said in Exodus 19 was, I called you to myself. I put you on eagle's wings and I took you up out of the populace, put you in the wilderness so it can just be you and me. 
This is what we would call in a much more uh, nuptial uh, paradigm, a intimate relationship between God and his bride. Like they're getting to know each other. God just purchased her out of Egypt. She was a slave. Now Jehovah is claiming her as his own because he bought her with blood. Am I making some sense? Put the blood on the doorposts and when I see the blood, I will pass over you and bring you out. So they came out by the purchase of blood, as did you and I in the person of Christ. Would you agree with that? So they're walking with God, all 1.34 million people walking with God in the wilderness for 90 days and God's taking care of them. How many of you guys heard me preach this a thousand times? Has God taken care of Israel? Does he take care of us? Does he feed us daily? Do we get to drink of the water of life, eat of the bread of life? Doesn't he give us a cloud by day and a fire by night? Doesn't he protect and keep you child of God? And we're talking temporal patterns with national Israel for the believer. They're greater and far more precious promises. But here Israel is down at the bottom of the peninsula. Let me speak to you briefly. They got to hang out for two years because you know what they have to do? They got to be trained. They have to be taught. They have to be conditioned. So God allowed them to make the descent. Now, how many of you guys know it's much easier to walk downhill than it is uphill? Y'all keeping up with me now? And I'm talking about a walk of faith. I'm talking about a walk of faith. When God first saves you, he'll often give you a nice little descent, journey downhill away from the scene of the crime. (laughs) from the place of your sinful behavior. And it feels really good when God's with you and you're going, you know, this is an easy walk. The Lord is good. I mean, if this is the way it is, the glory, man, this is a piece of cake. But you don't know, you got to start making your way back uphill in a minute. Am I, am I making some sense? So now God knows he got a whole bunch of Egyptians that's gotten married to him way down at the bottom. That means they ain't in shape for nothing. Because if you see how the red arrow comes all the way down to Rephidim, turns the corner at Hazaroth and starts going back up, that means we're moving uphill. Y'all keeping up with me? We're moving uphill. We don't start moving uphill until Numbers chapter 10 around verse 11, where Moses says it's in the second year. They got down there in 90 days and they hung out until the second year. They're down in the peninsula for about 16 months. Y'all got that? Boot camp. They haven't moved. God has provided for them. God's learned. They're learning things about God. Now it's time to go. Now it's time to make their ascent up. And if you were to read your Bible carefully, you would see Hazareth in the book of Numbers uh, around chapter 11. And then as we go up, Rimon Peres. Now we can scroll up a little bit, sis, because I want to put everybody in the wilderness of Paran. Stop right there. Do you guys see the wilderness of Paran? That's the last verse in Numbers chapter 12 before we open up in Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. Look at Numbers chapter 12, the last verse. Notice what it says. And afterwards, the people removed from what? Hazareth and pitched in the wilderness of what? Do you guys see that? You guys know how to flip your Bibles? Christians don't do that anymore today. You really ain't even got to flip your Bible. All you got to do is just go back one verse. Do you see it? This is called expository teaching. 
I'm helping you to understand how to worship in the context of preaching precept upon precept. Are you there? So now we're getting ready to move into the 13th chapter, are we not? So what I'm saying to you, if you go back to the map, if you go back to the map, we are moving now from Hazareth all the way up to the wilderness of Paran. That's a journey, isn't it? Right. So that's actually in our Numbers 11 account where we have our 33 encampment, 42 encampments. We are on number 14th encampment. In other words, they encamped from down at the wilderness in Sinai, which was about campment number 10 or 11. And as they made their way up past Hezeroth Path, Rimon Perez, they are in the Arabia wilderness. By the time they get to the wilderness of Paran, that's about three journeys. They had to stop. It's 1.3 million people. Y'all keeping up with me? All right. So it's there that God gives them the instructions to go over into the land. Now scroll the map up just a bit more. That is scroll it down because I need you to see where we are going. Stop right there. I need you to follow the blue line that takes us all the way over to the Dead Sea. That's under Beersheba. You guys see Beersheba all the way up to the far right. Above Beersheba is the name that you and I want to unpack here in a little bit. It's the word Hebron. Do you guys see the Hebron? Hebron is the place that they're going to. Hebron is the area where they're going to spy out the land. Y'all got that? Hebron is a very important place significantly in the Bible for three reasons. I just want you to see it and we're going back to the Bible in a moment. Hebron is the region of Judah. Judah is the end game. Judah is where the son of the king will be born. The son of the king is not David. It's Christ. David's great, 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 great grandson. The Bible is about Jesus. It's not about David. Although David is a point man. Hebron and Judah was touched by the children of Israel before they were brought into being by a very special event. You don't know it, but this had to do with Abraham. Abraham walked all this land that we're dealing with right now that Israel has come into. Has he not? God told Abraham to walk all the regions of the land of Canaan. And yet Abraham didn't get a chance to possess it because it wasn't for him. It was for his children. That's what he said. I am a stranger in a land that is that God is giving my children. That's what he told Abraham in Exodus in Genesis chapter 15, when he said 430 years later, your children will possess the land. Y'all keeping up with me? See, God is never in a hurry to bring his will to pass. And you and I may play a role in it, but we may not ever see the outcome of certain of God's promises. All he wants us to do is play our part. So the first person that touches Hebron is Abraham. Do you know why? If you go back to the text, it's around Genesis, uh, uh, Genesis 22, 23, Sarah dies. And Abram purchases a burial plot in Hebron, okay? That's where it first gets tagged, Sarah dies. And then after Abraham touches his land, When the children of Israel carved out the land of Canaan in 12 parts to the 12 tribes, who's going to get Hebron? Caleb is going to get Hebron. We're getting ready to see that in a moment, okay? Caleb will get Hebron. Why? Because Caleb 
is going to be one of only two men who actually see the promise. Caleb is going to preserve the land and then the land is going to be taken up by King David a thousand years before Jesus. It will be the city of the great king. It will be the city of David in the land of Judah, the city of Judah. And from David comes who? Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Did I help you with some history right there? It's important for you to know that. Well, you are listening to Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. Closing out our time together today, we invite you to reach out to us. Let us know how the program encourages you in your walk with Christ. Questions, comments, prayer requests are always welcome. You can either write to us, give us a call, or stop by our website and drop us an email. Now, the best place to go, of course, is the website. Not only will you be able to write to us via email, you'll be able to get more information about who we are, what we believe, worship times, how to get here. Grace-Bible.com is our website. Again, that's Grace-Bible.com. If you wish to give us a call, the number is 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, our address is 22768 Main Street. That's 22768 Main Street. Here in Hayward, the zip code 94541. That's 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. One final note as we close out our time today, this program is listener-supported. If you wish to partner with us, we would be more than grateful. This broadcast airs throughout the Bay Area as well as online, impacting thousands for the sake of Christ. And that is our hope and our goal. If you'd like to partner with us along those lines, feel free to write or give us a call. No gift is too large, no gift too small, whether a one-time gift or a monthly support. You're more than welcome to reach out. We would love to partner with you as we minister the gospel of Jesus to the Bay Area and the World Wide Web. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your way of grace. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.